I don't know if they were trying to mimic like the uh, the opening sequences of the James Bond movies. You know, it always starts off with an action scene, and then it goes into the titles, which are usually very stylized, but have some naked ladies in there. You know what I'm saying? And uh, I think this movie, which essentially was for kids, like tacked on this kind of scene like that, where there's this, I don't know if she's naked or very scantily clad. It's very moody lighting. They're like zooming into her body. Right? This was... Uh, Buck Rogers in the 25th century. Was it the 25th or the 26th century? I forget which century it was. But anyway, um, yeah, it was, what was the idea? But So there was, uh, if I had to guess, what happened was in 1977, right, when the first Star Wars movie came out in May, which I saw, I was nine years old, changed my life, like many of us in Generation X. Um, <clears throat> the, uh, the whole industry was not ready. Right. Uh, for example, I said a little fact that I lived through that many people may not know. Uh, no one expected that this movie was going to be anything other than a, some sort of box office bomb. And uh, there were no toys based on the movie for Star Wars until around March of 1978, almost a year later. Because it takes a long time to get a toy on the shelves, you know. You have to do all this R&D and all this packaging and manufacturing. So that Christmas in 77, we were like... Uh, just so annoyed we couldn't get Star Wars dolls. I remember me and my brother were sort of talking about, what do you think the Stormtroopers are going to look like? Can you imagine they're going to have Stormtrooper dolls? And I actually remember thinking they'd be a bit larger. Because we were used to the old... G.I. Joe's, this is before G.I. See, the size of action figure, the Star Wars action figures became, that sort of started a new doll size, essentially, right? And then, as we know, a few years later, G.I. Joe became little like that. But the G.I. Joe's we had were the better part of a foot tall and had actual cloth clothing and all sorts of stuff like that. So <clears throat> we were thinking the Stormtroopers would be kind of, maybe not as big as the G.I. Joe, but certainly a lot bigger than they turned out to be not that we cared because once we got the star wars dolls it was like amazing to have them you know so as an industry unawares and i do think that science fiction had this kind of uh you know the little green men from mars and the really bad b movies with the rubber monsters and things and that was kind of how people thought of science fiction Obviously, a few years earlier, there was a very high-end movie that was science fiction called uh, 2001, A Space Odyssey. And uh, this movie, uh, obviously, still, I mean, 2001 is like a universe unto itself. But anyway, it sort of proved that science fiction movies could be uh, more than just like schlock, you know. But still... Especially if you can find on uh, YouTube, I'm sure you can, the first trailer for Star Wars. It, and, and it's before they had uh, the John Williams score. Uh, it starts off something like, Out there in space, this may all be happening right now. And it just makes the movie look horrible. Okay, It's like amazing. So no one had any idea. So I think after Star Wars became a definitive industry-changing, life-changing, world-changing event, which it really was in so many ways, for better or for worse, um, that uh, I think everyone was, you know, in Hollywood or in the film and TV production areas are like, we got to make some science fiction. 
So we need space. We need to make space. So, as you could see, there were some new things. There's a lot of schlocky uh, movies like Battle Beyond the Stars and things like that. What was it? What was the one that uh, Dorothy Stratton was in? Galaxina, right? But uh, and then they're also on TV. So I think they were trying to dredge up. Like it's so funny because Star Wars was an original idea, but it was based on a lot of stuff in the past. Very heavily based on the old movie serials. Uh, a lot of stuff was uh, sort of completely copied over. Was it Isaac Asimov's Foundation trilogy? Uh, and uh, but it's it essentially the characters were new characters and very great characters Darth Vader, Chewbacca, Princess Leia, etc. As we know, but as I think there's always this tendency to, for some reason, it's just very hard for people to come up with new ideas. So they went to the past, uh, and uh, Flash Gordon and Buck Rogers were two of the big sci-fi franchises from the past. We're talking, you know, the 1930s, 40s, etc. I'm actually not sure where these two started, but they did eventually have comic strips and then, of course, movie serials. In fact, the very movie serials that were (laughs) influential on Star Wars. So they brought them back, right? So, like, uh, Flash Gordon, for example, came back in that... uh, I have not actually revisited that movie. It was around 1980 uh, with the Queen score. Flash. Ah, I remember going to see that in the movie theater. It was okay. And then they had a Flash Gordon cartoon on Saturday morning uh, television that was pretty good. I think it was from Filmation. But then you have Buck Rogers. And this uh, was a TV show. Buck Rogers in the 20... I think it's the 20, 25th century, 24th and a half centuries. No, that was Duck Dodgers, yes. Uh... 25th century is still... They, they chose a future date that's still far away. Unlike so many other science fiction franchises, like Back to the Future. Marty, we have to go to the future here. 2015. Oh my God, that's so far in the future. Is it really? No. It's like, it's like eight years ago now. Shut up. I know they can't hear us, but it's not. You know, 2001, A Space Odyssey. It takes place in the year 2001. Really? That year kind of sucked because of 9-11... But the iPod came out, you know. But anyway, which is almost like it is like the iPod was like a monolith that came out in 2001. See, I'm sure not. I'm sure I'm not the first that's made that connection. The iPod was the real monolith, which led to the smartphone in everyone's pocket, and it has the same kind of influence over humanity as the monolith did in 2001. Yada yada. I'm sure there's been those threads online, one way or another. But um. Yeah, Buck Rogers was, it was so interesting because it was so campy and so low budget in so many ways. And yet as kids, we didn't care. We wanted anything science fiction we could see on TV and it was not oversaturated back then. I think Buck Rogers was, I had to guess, 79-ish when it started. Uh, Again, it sort of seemed like as soon as Star Wars became a hit, not just a hit, a world-changing hit that everyone wanted to get in on the act. You know, <clears throat> Who's, is, is that a Jimmy Durante's catchphrase? Everybody's trying to get in on the act. What does that actually mean? Like you're performing on stage and then other people are the hell? That's is that my boss? 
Did I miss my bus or the bus was late? Oh my god. Oh, sh- shades of pre-pandemic. Yes, I'm going to uh, work in New York City. And uh, I thought I had a plenty of time. But that bus was either four minutes late or like <laughs> 20 minutes early. No, four minutes early or 20 minutes late. Oh, God. It's freezing out here. This is the first time this year so far. Up oh, there it goes. There it goes. Missed it by that much. <clears throat> that was the get smart catchphrase, right? Maxwell Smart. <clears throat> Missed the bus in seconds flat. No, it's the Beatles. Anyway. <laughs> I was wondering if the bus... That happens sometimes. The two buses are so out of whack, they, uh, they're, wa- they're right behind each other. But that didn't happen this time. Ah, uh, what a bummer. Oh, well, that's more time for me to talk to you here at my bus stop. Like in the old days, before the pandemic. For those of you in the future that are like, pandemic, pandemic. I know I heard there was some kind of pandemic around early 21st century. But you have no idea what the actual dates are, what's going on. So here in the U.S., the pandemic really got going on uh, Friday the 13th of March, 2020. And kept going for a couple years, and it's kind of over now, but now you hear news. Oh, people want to put the masks back on, this and that. Great. Um, It is now uh, December, not November. Yes, it's December 2023 right now. Yes, it is. And I'm going to... (laughs) I was going to just skip talking about how whenever I say the date, it sounds wrong, and I feel like I'm lying, but I'm not. It is 2023, as far as I know. Why at a gut level do I feel like it's not actually 2023? I don't know. Is this world I'm living in a video game? I'm plugged in. I'm living in the year 3000 and it's not really... uh, Who cares? Let's just all all agree that... Play devil's advocate. It's 2023. As far as I know. I have my doubts. But but in this simulation, it is 2023. That's what I'm... All right. In this... Listen, I don't know anything. Well, I know some things. What do I know? I know that I'm conscious and that I'm having experiences. That I know for sure. Everything else, the nature of my consciousness, how these things I'm seeing are being generated, the narratives around me, I can't say for sure. What the hell kind of plane is that? I don't know. Anyway, where were we? So anyway, um, so yeah, I think what happened, I haven't researched this in a while, but They uh, made a TV show, Buck Rogers, in the 25th century. But somehow, some way, they decided to release what was, I guess, a two-hour or hour and a half, whatever. um, Two hours on TV with commercials, so like an hour and 20 minutes, maybe. The pilot uh, of Buck Rogers um, was, I, I, I think, made into a theatrical release. Uh, maybe to drum up interest. There was some reason for it. I, I know I I knew it in the past. Don't know it anymore. So we, of course, and I think it was before it came out on television, if I'm not mistaken. So of course, any science fiction movie that came out, we had to go see, uh, because it wasn't just Star Wars that changed us. Me and my brother and a lot of our friends were super into science fiction, aliens, monsters, lasers, you know, uh, spaceships, planets, and. We just—I lo- love that from when I was, from time immemorial, you know, from when I was a little kid. 
anything related to space or monsters or anything I just absolutely loved where does that come from I don't know it's like you know some it's just an orientation you just love fantasy you love robots and stuff <laughs> I even remember that rare memory of my I went over to my friend's house when I was in kindergarten and uh, he had toy robots and had never seen a toy robot before and I was I sort of thought oh these must be the only toy robots that exist they're so precious I need to have them uh, you know how and that would have been very early 70s and how unaware I was that there's this this whole era of the tin toys and all the, t- the tin robot toys had came and went these were little plastic you know early 70s robot toys that I was so blown away by. I, I actually have retained that memory to this day. <clears throat> I guess because the memories that you keep re-remembering. Every time I kind of, you know, <clears throat> get on the shitty robot topic, which of course, <clears throat> when it comes to shitty robots, which is a major, major field of study, uh, twe- Tweaky from Buck Rogers is perhaps the pinnacle of, of shitty robots. I don't know if anyone can touch... I mean, there's been a lot of shitty robots. Like, again, in those old 50s B-movies, there's a lot of shitty robots, but... uh, Really, truly, would you call Seven's Arc 7 a shitty robot? (laughs) Maybe not. That's a whole other story. I was trying to find a a good Seven's Arc 7 t-shirt, but I never could find one that suited my needs. It It was a cartoon from Japan called Gachaman. And, uh... The uh, the urban legend, and I think there is some truth to it, is that the original Gotcha Man. You know, I really do need to watch the original Gotcha Man. It's these uh, five teenagers wearing like bird suits, bird spacesuits, and they have a, a spaceship that turns into like a phoenix, and they're fighting this kind of <clears throat> I don't know. It's a their enemy was kind of a woman pretending to be a man or a man pretending to be a woman or something. I don't quite remember. It's from Tatsunoko, the animation company. Um, the, I, the idea was that uh, that the the, ori- the Jap- they wanted to, tr- you know, bring it to America, just translate it, and show it on American TV, right? I guess it's cheaper than making a new cartoon. Ne- no one's ever heard of it because it's only been showing in Japan. So you could be a company that buys the rights, and then you get all the footage. I wonder if they how they got it on video or on film or whatever, and then you have to you know get English voice actors to dub it but what they found was <coughs> um, <coughs> and again this is the what everyone was talking about the show was so violent and there was all all this blood and dismemberment and stuff they had to cut so much out of each episode because it was too violent for American kids meanwhile Japanese kids were fine somehow that they created this shitty robot named Seven Zark Seven in the same style of animation. They actually... I don't know who animated it. Did they, did they animate it in Japan? Or did they... Some other animation company? It was It was their... They never met Seven Zark Seven in person, I don't think. But he was at their home base and would, like, communicate with them and sort of... He was sort of like a narrator that would tell you what, what the kids in the spaceship were doing. You know? So they, they cut out, like, ten minutes of each episode. You had, to, you had to sit and watch this... Hello there. I am Seven Zark Seven robot uh, uh, over overlord of, of the kids in the spaceship and and then he eventually got a robot dog that did all these hijinks so they could waste more time oh look it's my robot friend five bark five or whatever the hell the name was and he's got ruff, ruff. he was like a robot dog kind of like another 
shitty robot from. Uh, <laughs> this is a shitty robot, but it's a robot dog, so it's it's not as shitty as other ones. It's a Daggett from uh, Battlestar Galactica. Yeah, remember that? Yeah. Anyway, <clears throat> so also there is this this character named Kiob, and they said that in Japanese. Whenever he says something, he like curses up a storm. It's sort of like, "Hey, look, a, a pirate spaceship!" Those efforts, f them! Like, like, like he would just be cursing up a storm, and they couldn't translate it because all he's supposed to say is, "Look, a pirate spaceship!" But then he's like cursing. So they they gave, in, in the U.S. version they made him like he was like, "Hello, I am Kiop." It was like he had this weird speech defect. And they said it's because he was cursing too much. Then I, then I read something recently. Oh, no. All those rumors are untrue. Really? That always seems to be the case. You hear all these rumors, and then they all turn out to be untrue. But they did add, they did add the robot, so they had to cut some scenes out. I don't, I don't know exactly what the hell was going on with that show. I like watching Japanese cartoons with subtitles. I didn't want to see the original because uh, the Japanese language is so expressive. You lose a lot with the, any kind of dubbing. You know what I'm saying. Yeah. In fact, when I say, you know what I'm saying, uh, uh, one of the big anime uh, heroes, uh, Naruto, says, Dote bayo! After everything he says, and it, that means, you know what I'm saying? Dote bayo! Yeah, yeah, I think that's what he says. It is what he says. Dote bayo! Anyway, so, <clears throat> that's another shitty robot, 7 Sark 7. But anyway... So I have to do have to watch the original Gatchaman. You know, there was actually a video game called Tatsunoko uh, against Capcom. And they had all, a lot of those characters in there fighting like uh, Ken and Ryu and Blanca and Guile. You know what I'm talking about? Know what I'm saying? Don't they all? Don't they all? No? But we didn't really have much Tatsu. I mean, we had that. And then I guess Voltron was another one that not from the same company. Like it was again five teenagers, but and they had a giant robot <clears throat> that they could form together. And I know they did something like that on Power Rangers, but like it's funny because um, <clears throat> um, <clears throat> Voltron, which I think was called Go Lion in uh, in Japan, was right on the edge of my childhood and my adulthood, or whatever. Because like when I went to college, I stopped being so into what was on TV. So Voltron, I think I got for like a half a year, you know, when I was still like in high school. <clears throat> but like Power Rangers, no, I was too, I was too old for Power Rangers. I never embraced them. You have to sort of be enthralled by a media property at a certain age in order for it to be with you for the rest of your life. Like I'm stuck with Star Wars for the rest of my life. I have to watch every every, every shitty TV show they put out, though. To be fair, Andor was really good, and I think Ahsoka was better than the other ones, you know, but anyway, it, it's been a chore to watch. Doctor Who, though, I, I have to say, we're get, we'll get into Doctor Who later, but yeah, that's, it's been, uh, yeah, <clears throat> it, 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 I, I, I'm, I'm encouraged by, by the last, you know, the three episodes that came out this month, I'm encouraged, it's, let's say, cautiously optimistic, let's put it that way, because we did finally meet the new Doctor, played by Shudi Gatwa. And uh, I do. I've always, I always felt just by looking at him that he's going to be a good doctor, a good actor to play the doctor. Which you might argue the last two, well, three, two, Jodie Whittaker and Peter Capaldi, in my opinion, were the least well suited to the role in the entire run of the show. 
60 years, right? This, this was the 60th anniversary of Doctor Who. Yeah. Anyway, we'll get into Doctor Who later, but um, anyway, the reason I bring this up... So anyway, <clears throat> they, showed, so they showed Buck Rogers in the theater, and they tacked on this James Bond-like beginning with like this semi-naked woman. And it was so uncomfortable being a little kid with my parents, and there's that kind of sexual content at the beginning, totally inappropriate for the show. Because the show was this like super campy, low-budget uh, thing that uh, I have not really revisited Buck Rogers too much. <clears throat> um, but, you know, Tweaky, the robot, uh, is this sort of dwarf-sized robot, and the head is clearly molded to look like a penis. Seriously. It's, it's like he has a penis head. And he's, he's voiced by Mel Blanc, the guy that did all the cartoon voices, like Bugs Bunny. And he has this verbal tick, bitty, 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 hey, Buck. <laughs> it was like the shittiest of shitty robots ever. It was awesome. And then there were other robots in this show. Later, the show like kept transforming and changing. There was um, Dr. Theopolis was this like crappy little circle that you would wear around your neck. I think Tweaky would wear him around his neck, and it, he was a super genius. Unlike Tweaky, who was like an idiot. Why couldn't they have programmed Tweaky to be smarter? He's a robot, for God's sakes. And then later, I was talking to my cousin Vinny over the weekend. I got to talk about that as well. I have a cousin named Vinny, not the movie. You know. Every time I say my cousin Vinny, people are instantly thinking the movie. Anyway, there was, and I remembered the name. I was looking up Crichton was another robot later in the series that was kind of like, Oh, hello there. I'm Crichton. Sort of like uh, this haughty uh, butler kind of, like somewhat like C-3PO, very fussy, haughty kind of guy. But even worse than C-3PO. And he was a true, he was another shitty robot. They all were shitty robots. They have shitty personalities and, the, and, this, and, and how they're built is shitty. And they has a penis for a head, for God's sakes. But anyway, the reason why I'm bringing this all up is that there's an online auction, I think, maybe even today or tomorrow, where you can buy Tweaky. Tweaky is for sale. You can buy Tweaky. Do you understand? Tweaky is for sale. And they're estimating, you know, on the auction site, oh, fifteen dollars to $30,000. It's freaking Tweaky. Tweaky, for God's sakes, right? So this is... Uh, the, the guy that uh, <coughs> uh, played Tweaky was a little person. See, I'm using the politically correct term. Named uh, Felix Silva. And I was trying to remember. I'm like, what's his name? Frank Silva? No, that was the guy that played Bob in, uh, in Twin Peaks. But anyway, Felix Silva... So this is a costume. So you, you're buying a Tweaky costume. Now, whenever it comes to uh, film production, TV production, they, they have, would make uh, uh, multiple copies of, of these uh, characters. So I, I'm sure that wasn't the only Tweaky costume, but, I, I, you know, it's sc- probably screen used, yada, yada. But I, w- I was thinking to myself, listen, if I was rich and if I had money to spare, I would freaking want to buy Tweaky. I would. I, I just I don't even know since it's a costume do you have to get like a little mannequin to put it on like a little child mannequin to, to wear the Tweaky costume or something you know what I mean then you, what do you stick it in the corner and you're like yeah that's Tweaky over there what do you mean no you know Tweaky from the TV show it's over there and anyone that's like in their 50s or more would be like oh yeah I kind of remember that yeah why do you care about that for now <laughs> it's like anyone that's under 50 would be like what is that from like the Clone Wars or something? No, it's from Duck. It's from Buck Rogers. Hey, Buck. Biddy, biddy, biddy. That hell's going on. Man. I don't know. But anyway, I, I, I would. I obviously cannot afford 
to buy Tweaky, but and who knows? It may go for more. If there's two people that are from my generation that care about it so much, that had that experience sitting there week after week watching this show on TV, desperate for any science fiction they could watch, and they have enough money, disposable income or money to uh, to buy such a thing, they could become a bidding war. How high could it go? Eighty thousand dollars at some point? Like a hundred? Nah. I don't care about my childhood memories. Nah, eighty thousand is too much for Tweaky. Freaking Tweaky. But meanwhile, isn't like a tweaker like someone that's like into drugs or something? And tweaky. I know you can tweak something like tweaking settings on a control panel, which is what pe- most people do in science fiction movies. There's all these control panels with blinking lights, and they're constantly adjusting the dials. Though, what the hell are they actually doing? They're doing nothing. <clears throat> they're just pretending because it's not real. It's science fiction. But is reality real, though, or can we just press buttons and then something happens, even though it doesn't make sense? Well, it kind of feels like that's kind of feels like what your life your life is, right? Like you sort of you wake up in the morning, you're like, yeah, I'm like this person, and I got to do stuff, and uh, I guess I'll just do some stuff and see what happens. And then it kind of works out, you know? It's kind of like that, kind of like that. Isn't kind of like this? Kind of like where the hell is this bus? That I think that was my bus. That was four minutes early. What a ripoff. I don't even know when the next bus is. This is this is ridiculous. Let me check. Alright, I got the app. All it's saying is my bus is delayed. Great. That's wonderful. Wonderful. Ugh, you know. In the past that I realized I had to leave like 15, 20 minutes early in case the bus was early. Oh my god. I understand the bus being late, but early? That's, you know, I was here on time for the bus, and it's, it's shot by early now. And now, now the next bus is delayed. Great. Great. How long are we standing out here? It's freezing out here. What do you want? What do you want? <coughs> At least I have the bus stop to myself for now. So I can talk real loud without having to worry I'm upsetting people. So, yeah, we can talk about Doctor Who. So, uh, yeah, 60 years ago, the show started in 1963. It's a science fiction TV show about a time-traveling alien called the Doctor, who's a time lord, travels the universe in a blue police box called the TARDIS, and he usually has companions, and then when they want to change the actor playing the Doctor, the Doctor regenerates and becomes a different person, because that's what time lords do. (coughs) And... uh, I got into the show in the 80s when they started showing it on public television in the U.S. It was a phenomenon in the mid-1980s. Doctor Who uh, became huge in the U.S. And with, uh, they, I mean, it was, the Doctors were, they were showing a lot of Doctors. I mean, they, especially, you know, the fourth Doctor, Tom Baker, who's kind of a definitive Doctor. Uh, number three, John Pertwee. And then, of course, number five, Peter Davidson. And six, Colin, uh, Colin Baker. Uh, that those were like around mid '80s what we were watching, and it was on like I don't know if it was on every week or whatever. It was just we would tape it. We loved it. I mean, we were like uh, <clears throat> uh, just addicted. There were Doctor Who science fiction conventions in the U.S. It was a phenomenon. That's how I got into Doctor Who. Then the show gets canceled in the later '80s. Uh, everyone's upset, but the BBC's done with it. I guess it has very low ratings. In the mid-90s, they bring it back in the, uh, to try on Fox Television in the U.S. There was a pilot, a two-hour pilot, starring uh, McGann. Uh, it was Paul McGann, I think is his name. Yeah. 
And he was a doc, uh, the eighth doctor just for one episode, basically, even though they did bring him back briefly. And he's done, they do audio dramas and stuff. It's just this whole extended thing. They're trying to create an extended Doctor Who universe now. Doctor Who universe. Because it's on Disney Plus now. Anyway. Um, and then finally in, what was it, 20... What year did they come back? 2005 maybe, right? They brought it back. Uh, with uh, Christopher Eccleston. And there's been a bunch. He was the ninth. Then there was David Tennant, the tenth. Uh... Matt Smith was the 11th. Peter Capaldi was the 12th. Jodie Whittaker was the 13th. And then David Tennant was back re- just now as the 14th. And then Shudi Gatwa is the 15th. There's also the War Doctor, the Fugitive Doctor, and all of the potential previous Doctors. Confused yet? Yes, it is very confused and confusing. But, yeah, so they had, I was always, it's been years since the last episode, and I was always confused, like, when are these coming? I would see news stories about the next episodes, and Shudy Gott was the next Doctor, and uh, it was, uh, I, I, look at this, look at that guy, he just honked, for no reason, why would you honk your, your horn? The guy spent a, a half a second reacting to the light, see, people are on edge these days, it, it, it's just getting worse. It's sad to see that. Embarrassing for that guy. That he honked like that. D- didn't you ever hear patience is a virtue, guy? Okay? Patience is a virtue. That's what my mother used to say. Just chill out. Take a chill pill. Chillax. Okay? Uh, it's good being back at the bus stop. It reminds me of the before days, before the pandemic. When I'm waiting out here for hours because the bus isn't coming, it's delayed, I just missed it. It's, it's, it's the same old story all over again. The same old story, the same old song and dance, okay? I want to hear more people honk. <laughs> Who are these people? All right, here we go. Here's another situation. These people may honk. Do it. I want to see more impatient people. The light changes to green. One half of a second passes. Hank! And I will not do that. I'll sit there and honestly, someone's sitting there at the light and the light changes and they're not moving. I'm like, I'm not going to honk. I am not going to honk. I don't, I'll wait here forever. I'm not going to honk. And after about 10 seconds, usually the people are like, what? Oh, I looked up for my phone. Oh, it's a green light. I'll go. Yes, they're assholes too, but still, don't honk. There's no need to honk. I got where I was going anyway. I don't think, I didn't think I lost a minute. Because you're on a road with lights, right? You're going to hit the same lights. The chance that if that person went immediately, you're going to beat one light and get there 10 seconds sooner, the chances are uh, very low. Or maybe they're, maybe they're actually high. I don't know. Can someone do the math on that? What is the math on There is no math on that. Get out of here. So anyway, uh, the Peter Capaldi, he was okay as the doctor, but I sort of feel like you know, there's a certain... The Doctor is a very specific character. Uh, the Doctor is a, a Time Lord, or maybe more than a Time Lord, with recent developments, uh, who uh, has uh, gone through many tragedies and seen so many wonderful and horrible things. The Doctor has sort of a thousand-yard stare, is haunted by memories and confusions and all these things that happened.
and the actor has to bring that in the into the role and I feel like Capaldi while oh, kind of okay for the role was the first doctor that was really perhaps maybe not the right casting um not that bad though but then I think the next doctor Jodie Whittaker the first well it's not really the first obviously the new doctor Shudigawa is black and there was a previous doctor who was black the fugitive doctor uh, I think her name was Joe Martin she was actually really brilliant I really hope they bring her back as the doctor uh, the fugitive doctor would have been before doctor one William Hartnell um, so I don't, I don't know if they're bringing her back that'd be good but anyway uh, yeah so Jodie Whittaker uh, the first major woman in the role kind of she's not I don't think she was the right casting I, mean, I always say she was on that show Broad Church with Olivia Coleman, and Olivia Coleman would have been an incredible doctor because she has that exact sadness in her eyes that she can express that thousand yard stare and she would have been an amazing doctor but I think by that point she had gotten too big to be a doctor she, she entered superstar status Anyway, yeah, so Jodie Whittaker both was, uh, and this guy, this showrunner, Chris Chibnall, was not a Doctor Who fan, and he kind of ruined the show. The writing was awful. He introduced this whole timeless child storyline that everyone really didn't like. At least we didn't have that much River Song, the whole River Song thing. Um, Oh, here's a bus going the other way, though. Oh, come on. This is ponderous, man. Why is there a birdhouse on the bench over there? And there's a sign on the bench, too. Do I have time to go check it out? I might. What does that sign say? Why is there a birdhouse on the bench? Uh, I I would have been able to cross the street right then if that person didn't drive through a red light. But, you know, I'm scared to cross the street because then the bus is going to come. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I lost my opportunity. It says something on the bench, though. Oh, but here's the bus. Yay, yay. See, I knew it. We'll have to find out what's written on the bench at a later date. I will go to New York City now. And we'll talk more about Doctor Who. All right, we're here. Port Authority Bus Terminal, New York City. Yeah, so since it's cold out, I have uh, my winter coat on. And you know, I, I'm i like, where the hell are all the gloves, hats, scarves, all this kind of stuff? And I'm like, I know I saw them in my closet recently. So I found them. But then when I got the coat out of the, the closet, there was another set of them in there. So I have like double of everything. I didn't bring them all with me. You know what I'm saying. It's amazing that this uh, old rundown bus terminal that I love so much. Well, I don't know if love is the right word. More like Stockholm Syndrome, perhaps. But uh, I have quite an affinity for this place. That it still exists and you can still have this experience. But I feel like I've had enough of this experience. It's tolerable, though. What do you want? Yeah. So yeah, so I feel pretty burdened as it is with the coat and the backpack with the computer in it. But today is a sample sale. You can get 
products for like super cheap. It's one of the benefits of working for a fashion company. So I'm going to be extra burdened. Probably, I'm, I mean, I can only handle two big bags of stuff. So I'm going to have the backpack, the coat, the two big bags. I'm going to be uh, the most burdened I've been since the uh, carrying all that luggage around uh, Venice, Italy. If you remember that, that was I survived it. I survived. I mean, I was able to, you know, live through it. Uh, but it was rather aggravating. I've done this before. Go to the sample sale and have all the bags and bring the bags on the bus and yeah, yada yada. What do you want? Ah, very brisk morning here in New York City. Indeed. This is my third time coming in in like in, in, in like a week. It's amazing. So, so yeah, with Doctor Who, they brought back this guy Russell T. Da- Russell T. Davies, who was the showrunner. Oh my God, talk about honking! Of course, everyone's honking. It's New York, effing city. So, yeah. So in Doctor Who, they brought back uh, the 10th the Doctor as the 14th Doctor, and then they brought back Donna, the companion. I had already kind of forgotten about all these people, but I don't know. I, I don't know why they had to bring them back, but I guess it's to m- make a happy ending. Because in this convoluted storyline, Donna's memory was erased, and yada, yada. Anyway, I think I already talked about the first episode, which was... It was all right. The next episode was like uh, so in the in the first there's a trilogy of specials on Disney Plus now. The first episode, uh, Donna was fixed and they, they you know so she's got her memory back whatever. The next episode, you know this is one where there's this things happening now where uh, I talked about all the woke stuff in the first episode where it does sort of feel like you know. I don't know. I think the best way to do this would to be uh, have it work with the story, not jam in all of these, you know. It feels like you have this checklist. You have to have a people of every race on Earth and different disabilities in your story. You know, if you can fit it in and if it works, fine. But if it feels like you're jamming it in there, it doesn't really help with the, the problem of people. What is the problem? The problem is that people hate other people uh, is that the problem? I think it's a problem uh, because of different characteristics and if you want to try to help solve that problem uh, I can understand the intent behind it but when you go too far it feels like it's on counter purposes so on this one they briefly met Sir Isaac Newton when, he, when the apple falls on his head and he discovers gravity and they cast uh, an actor with uh, Southeast Asian ancestry as Isaac Newton. And, uh, you know, and then they were already, oh, let's see what these, these bad people are going to say on, 
on X.com, formerly known as Twitter. That, that's what everyone says these days. On X.com, formerly known as Twitter, they're like, it's, you know, they, they quote all of these terrible right-wing zealots. Oh, my God. How dare they make Sir Isaac Newton darker-skinned. It just feels like they're setting up this fake controversy. It feels like it's rehashing the same old shit. Like, they're just... The, they're trying to provoke people, but it's something... Okay, we get it. We've seen this a million times already. Please. Um, and then they imply the doctor is gay and fine, you know. But, anyway, <laughs> the whole thing... But it was a pretty, that one was a pretty good episode, like in this spaceship with these weird doppelgangers and stuff. Oh, I don't know. Then the TARDIS has a new interior, which is pretty cool. So in the third episode... The one I just watched. Um, there's this uh, a villain called the Toy Maker that I guess was a, a villain of, of the very first Doctor, William Hartnell, and they actually have flashbacks showing the first Doctor and the Toy Maker back then, played by Neil Patrick Harris. Who normally, when Neil Patrick Harris is in something, it's like the death knell. It's like it's like the end. Do you really? Neil Patrick Harris, and I, I don't know, I find the guy very tiresome, and, and apparently he was quoted as saying that he had never even heard of Doctor Who before he was asked to play a part in it, which is fine, but I mean, I understand people not ever seeing it, like an episode maybe, but you never even heard of it? I don't know, what does this guy live under a rock? What's wrong with these people? But I, I have to be, I have to say, he did a very good job playing the, the toy maker. It was... He did a good job. It was not like, you know, oh, there's Neil Patrick Harris being Neil Patrick Harris. No, he, he did a good job playing as this cosmic toy-making entity or something. Anyway, um, but it all kind of led up to bi-generation. Uh, instead of regeneration, where the doctor becomes another, you know, the doctor, as, as other Time Lords can do, becomes, an, you know, when they're going to, instead of dying, they sort of become another person. It could be any kind of person. They, they, and they retain their memories between regenerations, but they have different personalities. Right after the regeneration, they can be very confused as well. In this case, it was by generation, which is Tenant's Dr. 14 and, and Gatwa's Dr. 15 sort of split apart and they both remained existing, so it was like a, a happy ending that Dr. 14 could, could hang out with Donna and not have to have all the pressure of going on universe-spanning adventures. Uh, but then we got to meet Shudigawa, who I think uh, can be uh, cautiously optimistic that it seems like he's going to be a good doctor. And uh, next episode is on Christmas, is his first full adventure and his new companion, Ruby Sunday. And uh, I was thinking, this looks good. I think it's, they're back on track. As I sort of feel like I have to watch every episode. I've been tortured in, in, in past years watching the one garbage episode after another. Um, but of course, they threw in. I, th- I think the moment that Gatwa uh, comes in as the 15th, they, uh, both of them are talking about their past, uh, you know, Companions who died, and talking about River Song, and they also mention Adric, 
And uh, Adric was, uh, you know, back in the 80s, he was a, a companion who actually died while going on adventures with the doctor. And I actually met the actor, Matthew Waterhouse, who played him at one of those 80s conventions. I asked him to sign it as Adric because I was like being like an asshole. I'm like, I don't want your real name. Just sign it as Adric. He's like, all right, mate, I'll do whatever you want. <laughs> he seemed like a nice guy. But yeah, so for Shudigawa to show that his character is thinking about Adric is uh, definitely throws a bone to us, old, uh, uh, you know, original fans or not original fans, but '80s fans, you know. Yeah, mentioning Adric <laughs> it meant a lot to me. I, I've sort of been rewatching the Fifth Doctor's adventures. I have I have them all downloaded when Adric and Tegan and Nissa are there, you know. And Turlo's about to arrive from what I'm watching, but he hasn't arrived yet. And isn't Chameleon in there? I don't know. Chameleon was like this, another kind of shitty robot. <laughs> uh, apparently there's like this curse of Chameleon, and no one really talks about Chameleon anymore. This android. And of course... Uh, a robot you might say is on the shitty spectrum, but certainly is not shitty, is K-9, of course. K-9 is, is anything but shitty. K-9 is awesome. As you know, if you're a Who fan. It's a robotic dog. Doctor? So, had all these high hopes, and then they, then they start showing, oh, here's like a clip from the upcoming first adventure of the 15th Doctor and it's like there's all these goblins trying to eat a human baby and singing a graphic a song that graphically describes cooking the human baby and eating it and it's like this is really not cool and it's very disturbing and why would you start off with something like that so of all of my uh, expectations now it's kind of I'm like oh god are we going to go down this road weird Illuminati stuff like that. I'll get out of here. Ugh. So, anyway. <laughs> torture. It's torture to have to watch this show. But I, was, I got into it at a certain age, so I got, got what I say, programmed to love Doctor Who. Whereas most people never heard of it. I never heard of it. Just like uh, with uh, Fish, you know, the band Fish. The first band to play The Sphere in Las Vegas was U2, which is a very famous band, a band that I would... <laughs> I really have no interest in whatsoever. I don't like them. I have no. I would never want to hear their music or anything. But people are like, I can't believe they went from you too to fish. Who ever heard of fish? Uh, it's true. Most people never heard of them. Most people are talking about fish. Uh, what? Never heard of them. <laughs> you know, they sell out. You know, they sold out seven nights at Madison Square Garden. Yeah, I know. I never heard of them. Never heard of them. <sighs> Everyone's living in their own little bubble these days. Uh, ooh. Yes. Walking to work. Going to their work. New York City. I don't know. I, I, I really should start coming in more often. I'll, I'll get used to the commute more, you know. Sunday. Sunday. Right, anyway, I, yeah, I got to go to Amazon Go and get my sushi breakfast. It's 
my morning ritual. And uh, I'll see you later. All right, I went to the sample sale. It was as stressful as usual. I had my wife on the video call and very crowded and cramped. And I wound up getting 18 handbags of various sizes. So it's going to be rather a challenge to bring it on the bus. Hopefully I'll muddle through somehow. I've done it in the past. And I was, I was talking to them. I was like, uh, you know, this is the first one in a while, right? Well, no, they're like, there was one in May. Oh, really? I must have missed that one. And I didn't remember immediately that I was going to come to the sample sale in May. But that's what, around the time my father took a turn for the worse and did wind up passing away. He had entered uh, hospice care. So obviously I couldn't go to the sample sale that day. I think it was actually, was it? I think it was the day before he passed away, in fact. Yeah. Anyway, so I got the stuff. I tried to compress it as much as possible, putting bags inside of other bags, etc., etc. So anyway. Now... That part is done. It's just the uh, the only the, the only really difficult part is uh, the bus. It's going to be the bus. Yeah. I mean, if the bus is super crowded. I guess I can wait for the next one. Try to like. I mean, I, I I know I could probably sit it all on my lap and on the floor, but it's a lot. It's a heck of a lot. What is this? Don Don, Korean barbecue. Why can't more vegan places open up? Oh, there is that vegan place. No, I'm, I'm going to go up to uh, the urban space on 52nd. I can see what the menu says. Meat. It's all meat-based, of course. Yeah, this is that place up on 52nd, that uh, one of the urban space food halls. I know it's going to be eye-wateringly expensive, but... It's, I don't come in that often. Why not? Ha- why not splurge? Well, they have. They do have the plant junkie there, which they got rid of at the um, <clears throat> the Vanderbilt location. But this this one they still have. And co- going there from here, there's all these mid block crossings. I, I sort of I think it starts on 47th. These these mid block crossings, and finally you have to go through the um, another food hall across the street, uh, Urban Hawker, which is a Singaporean street food oriented food hall and I don't think they have anything vegan there but since I'm going through there I suppose I can um, take a peek if they have anything but I don't think they had a single thing for me to eat so it's actually not too too cold out right now it's a bit breezy but yeah we've been doing like we've we've been very active like we've had Pretty much for like the past, I guess, 11 or 12 days, I've had something to do every day beyond just the usual. Uh, you know, like last week I came in for the to work and then I went to the party and then, you know, for, you know, for the work lunch, then to the party. And there's so much other stuff. And uh, Saturday, my friend Peter from the Three Weasels came over and we did not record. I was thinking to record with him, but it really wasn't the right cir- circumstance to record. There'll be more opportunities to record. Alright, here we go. Avenue of the Americas. Sixth Avenue. Yeah. 
hippodrome. This used to be a, a theater where they would have horses diving off of platforms. Gee, that sounds safe. So they call it a hippodrome. Hippo means horse. I know you think it means hippopotamus, but a hippopotamus is like a water horse. See, people didn't really have the creativity to come up with a brand new name for the hippopotamus, so they just had to call it a, it's a water horse. It's like a horse that is in the water. Come up with a brand new name for it. A zinklewinker, whatever. Just come up with some kind of other name for it. Yeah, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. No. Well, you can't really tell the people back then to do things because, well, why can't you? Shows a different name, damn it. Well, they can't hear you because they're in the past. <laughs> These people are looking at me. <laughs> they think I'm yelling at someone on the phone. Shows a different name, damn it. No, I'm talking to people in the past. But hippopotamus is actually a good word. It doesn't even, you know, hippopotamus. It's fun to say. So, yeah, keep that one. But, why, like, if, if I say something today, they won't hear it in the distant past. As far as we know. They might. Well, people in the future are hearing what I'm saying right now, but just not in the past. How does that work? Isn't everything equal? Shouldn't the people in the past and the future get to hear this? Why, why the disparity? disparity? It's not fair. Hey, life's not fair, I guess. Yeah. And then on Sunday, we went out to Belvedere, New Jersey, which is way out there. If you look on a map, you see the main highways leading east-west across New Jersey. 78 and 80, so it's between 78 and 80, right on the Pennsylvania border. Very close to an area called Fowl Rift, where across the river you can see the Delaware River, I think. You can see uh, a nuclear power plant. Sorry, I had to, had to adjust my belt. Hello, hello. I have a belt that you sort of has like a ratchet mechanism. Yeah. All right. Anyway. work a little bit early. Things aren't that busy. I think I could do that. So then the buses won't be so crowded. But they're less frequent. They're less frequent, but there's less people going. So what are the... Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to strategize my trip home. Being burdened. I'll be very burdened. Anyway, uh, so in Belvedere, my cousin Vinny, who you, is actually... My second cousin, who is named Vinny Foti. Not the movie My Cousin Vinny. I know every time I say it, everyone thinks about the movie. What is a Ute? That movie. I, I haven't seen that movie in a while. I don't really think I need to see that movie for a while. I saw it once. I think it's fine. I really don't care to see that movie. Any, but you know what I'm saying. It's a fine movie, for, as, as these things go. Um, but Vinny, uh, yeah, he... Um, you know, had to uh, get his uh, like um, his right leg amputated under the knee, and uh, this is a, his his return to the theater since that happened a while, quite a while back. 
it was a while back, I think it was last year, because my father and I went to visit him in the, uh, in the rehabs uh, place. And, uh, yeah, he was great. It, this this uh, performance, this is the, the Country Gate Players that he's been involved with for many, many years, decades. And um, <clears throat> it's a Country Gate Playhouse in Belvedere, New Jersey. It's like at least an hour and 20 minutes uh, ride. We went down 80 far out there. It's by Pennsylvania, for God's sakes. Uh, but I'm so glad we went. It was a great production. So the concept is, it's called It's a Wonderful Life, a live radio play. So this was a play that was created uh, where it's a 1948 Christmas Eve radio production of It's a Wonderful Life. So the stage is like a, a radio studio, and uh, all the people are dressed as if they're radio performers in the 1940s, 1948 specifically. And Vinny got to uh, sit in like an, an old-fashioned wheelchair during the show. So his character was in a wheelchair, and um, he actually wrote in some jokes about his leg. So he's like, uh, you know, I've, I've recovered from the... What do you say? I've recovered from the Bronx Zoo incident because it takes place in New York City. Um, you know, really, when, they, when, when, when that sign says, don't feed the bears, please, please don't be like me. Please follow that sign. So, you know, he, he, it was pretty good. It, it, came off, it came off very well. Um, yeah, so it was really well done. Um, I was even tearing up towards the end. I usually don't, I, I usually don't, get, don't get too emotional, but... It was so well done. I, I, you know, towards the end, if you know the story, and I don't know if I've ever seen the move, the entire movie. It's a Wonderful Life. I don't know. I have heard about it a lot. I do know. I know the plot. This guy is all depressed. He's going to jump off the bridge. Then an angel comes down and shows him what the world would have been like had he not lived. Because he's like, ah, it would be better if I was never born. So it's like one one of the. Uh, I don't know if it's one of the, is it one of the first like alternate timeline movies showing an alternate timeline like every TV show and movie now has alternate timelines it seems but that was an old one that did it and it stars Jimmy Stewart and the guy that played uh, George the main character that Jimmy Stewart plays he said he's never seen the movie so he was doing it I think it's better not to see the movie because you know do you want to do the Jimmy Stewart voice which right it's not so much anymore, but there was a time period where uh, mimicking celebrity voices was like this obsession. Uh, comedians, cartoon characters, everyone was doing it. And Jimmy Stewart was like, I'm Jimmy Stewart. So I have to imagine that not having that burden of even... I, he's younger, so I guess he didn't even really know about that voice. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm Jimmy Stewart. The hell is wrong with that guy? Okay, yeah, I'm Jimmy Stewart. <laughs> Shut up. But this guy did a really good job. He's a great job. Did a great job. And what was cool about it is they were actually able to, since they were doing a, oh, here's the first of the mid-block crossings, 47th to 48th. What's by the Gut Gutfeld Show? Is that on Fox News or something? I've heard the name. I've never seen it. I guess the Gutfeld Show is here. What, but why does it, it almost looks like Garfield, the Garfield logo, but his name is Gutfeld, not Garfield. So why would you, wouldn't you want to stay away from something that's so similar to Garfield, Gutfeld? 
Gutfeld? Was that a gut? Gutberg? No, Gutfeld. Okay. Listen, I, I don't watch that. I don't watch those kind of shows anymore. Anyway, yeah, it was great. Um, and afterwards, we, we went to this place called Tipton Tavern to have uh, dinner with a, with a lot of members of the cast as well. What is this? Hard Rock? Why? Oh, yeah, there's another Hard Rock here, right? Or did this, or the one in Times Square moved? I remember seeing this Hard Rock. Or this is a Hard Rock Hotel, maybe. Oh, I don't know. Um, but on the way there, we stopped by the convenience store because I had an inkling. I had an inkling. I had a, a vague notion, as they say. What is this? A play called Guten? Wait. Gutenberg after Gutfeld Gutenberg, Gutenberg the musical that looks wonderful great but anyway yes I had an, ink, an inkling an idea because you know whenever I go to a convenience store or a drugstore anywhere around my area of Nutley, New Jersey I could never find any birch beer it's even hard to find root beer sometimes but birch beer is a, a is kind of a a form of root beer, or it's a, it's a, it's a related to root beer in some way. Here's the next mid-block mid crossing, 48th to 49th. You walk through a glass tunnel under like a waterfall. This has been here forever, man. This is back here. And when I was in college, this was even here, I think, because a few times I got up this way. Oh, yeah, those cool sculptures of a rabbit, a rabbit woman and a dog man taking pictures. I've seen these before. Those are pretty good. Great, great artwork. Um... I'm like, well, you know, birch beer, when you go to Pennsylvania, birch beer is everywhere. You go to 7-Eleven, you go to Sheets, anything. Oh, here's some birch beer. So I'm like, I wonder. This We're still in Jersey, but it's actually not too far from Pennsylvania. Literally a stone's throw, perhaps. Let me try this little convenience store. And they had it. They had, I think it was like Stewart's birch beer. I'm like, yes, thank goodness. Thankfully, they have birch beer. So I got some birch beer. And then they also had those... Um, uh, you, If you remember from like a long, long time ago, um, mini chiclets. It was a, it was a kind of a chewing gum. Uh, chiclets were uh, a brand of chewing gum that came in a box. And each one was sort of candy coated. Then they had mini chiclets where they were tiny. They were like two millimeters across. So you get this little bag, and there'd be like thousands of little pieces of gum. And as a kid, we loved this mini chiclets, right? And then, and then it was just discontinued. How could such a major product that was everywhere suddenly it just fails? Oh, suddenly people don't don't want it anymore? I know, you know, I know. On the show in the past, I researched it. If if you're using a, an AI to listen, maybe you can hear the last time I talked about this topic, which is a few years ago. All right, AI, play it for him. <laughs> yeah. I have talked about this. I just don't understand. It's such a popular product, but it just went belly up. Maybe the company was mismanaged, the Chicklets Corporation. Anyway, I had heard that there was another company that had uh, replicated this pro- this product, and it's sort of uh, it looks it looks exactly like the original, but it's it's a different name. It's like Chickle instead of Chickle. I, I, I don't I don't have it on me right now. It's at home, but maybe next time we'll check it out. So I got that too. Found some good stuff. At the convenience store in Belvedere, New Jersey. So yeah, then we went over to the place, and of course, it's like a it's like a sports bar kind of place, or it's a nice place, the the Tipton Tavern. But you know, like 
nothing vegan on the menu, nothing. We, we had to wind up getting salad. Like, I kind of was going to get oil and vinegar dressing, but they didn't even bring the dressing out, so I just had, like, a tiny salad. It was very depressing and a Pepsi. But anyway, I did all right. It was great hanging out with Vinny and talking to the various actors and stuff. It was really cool. And here's Urban Hawker, Singapore street food. Yeah. And like all the food halls, it's, it's very nicely designed. It has sort of that uh, industrial chic hipster kind of vibe to it. Tiger beer. Tiger uppercut. No. Why does this place look smaller than last time? Oh, there's two levels, that's why. Yeah, I don't, I don't believe this, uh, this unit unit this hall this food hall has anything vegan so i'll just i'll just walk through here this is another mid-block crossing as long as it's open you can walk through Ooh, i see i see a vegan logo but uh i can't get over there there's okay here we go there's tables in between me and there let's see dim sum darling vegan upon request yeah i don't know Vegan upon request. I don't know. See, since there is a fully vegan place across the street, I don't know if I want to... You know, depending on who's making it, how much do they know about, about uh, the vegan request system? And now when you're training at Dim Sum, darling, we're going to talk about the vegan replacement system. Oh, uh, this is the section I was thinking of. It's a little bit wider. Oh, and they have a basement uh, eating dining area. Oh, that looks very... Oh, the restrooms... No, just the restrooms are downstairs. Okay. Uh, walk and staple. How can they have a whole food court without any... Food hall, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm here. i got money in my pocket. I want to spend some money. But there, there's nothing for me. Just throw something. I, I, one thing. Don't say, oh, it's an, it's an option. This dish is vegan. How want you say that. Now, obviously, they don't have to. Obviously, because no one... No one there did it, but they would make some money from some people like me. The hell is that? Like a smashed rat on the street? Oh my god, it's been flattened out, run over so many times. So sad. Here's another rabbit sculpture. It's on top of a bell. Yeah. Alright, I think we're almost there. Yes, after all of that sample sale stuff, we deserve a good meal. Vegan food. All right. See, I thought this place was completely gone once I saw it shut down over at uh, Vanderbilt, but it's here. And I and I discovered this option: create your own bowl, any four sides for sixteen dollars. And uh, it's a good deal. I got a uh, tater tots and garlic broccoli and red curry tofu and tofu mole, a double dose of tofu. Right, mole. Is that that sort of? brown sauce from uh, Mex- the Mexico the Mexico country yeah it should be good and a water I don't even remember how much it was it was obviously 20 something of course like it always is listen there's no clear place to get beer here so I'll skip the beer I'll just get water but yeah I do like uh, I do like plant junkies it's just something soothing about going to a place that's fully vegan you know what I'm saying those of you out there that are vegan I know most of you are not how about in the future Right, there was that TV show, uh, Travelers, where starring Eric McCormack about these people that were uh, going back in time to save the Earth because there was a big disaster. So they had this quantum computer 
and they were able to uh, the computer was able to uh, overwrite someone's mind, their brain back in time. They could sort of uh, so someone in the present or so, sorry, someone in the future could sit in a chair or whatever and get scanned and their brain patterns would be inserted into the person in the past. Kind of like what I was talking about earlier. Kind of not, but kind of like what I was talking about earlier. Um, so, they're like, listen, if you just choose a random person and wipe their mind out and uh, insert someone else's mind, can you imagine what havoc that's going to play with the timeline? Everything that person did, then now someone else is running that body. So, uh, you know, it's going to wreck at the timeline. It's going to cause all sorts of problems for the quantum computer, which is keeping track of all that stuff. So, they decided that they were going to um, find people that died accidentally, and they would... Uh, figure out the circumstances of their death and then the person taking over the body so the person like steps into the street gets run over the person taking over the body like two minutes earlier just doesn't doesn't go into the street and then they live and yes it's going to change the timeline but not as severely right because that person died anyway and also it's beyond that it's unethical to just that's just you're essentially killing someone by overriding their mind in in this show so it's murder, damn it, it's murder. Remember Quincy used to say that? I'm telling you, it was murder. You know, Jack Klugman? No? Oh, look at my dish. It's so, so beautiful looking. All right. But there's a point to this story. Uh, hold on. All right. Look at this. Wow, a mass amount of uh, tater tots, two different kinds of tofu, and the broccoli, man. Some good stuff. Yeah, but anyway, on this show, travelers. So the people go back in time, and they can never go back. They're stuck back in time, but they can communicate with the future using the quantum computer. Um, so everyone in the future is vegan. So as soon as they all come back, they see all these people drinking milk and eating meat. They're like, ugh. So all of them, you know, they the person they took over instantly becomes vegan. So. I'm wondering, are people vegan in the future? I hope so. This carnivorous habit, as uh, <clears throat> Jimmy Buffett says, uh, is, is rather tiresome. But I know all of you out there are probably eating meat. That's fine. Listen, you can do what you want. Eat that meat. I'll have a vegan tater tots. I mean, this is not healthy. It's just very tasty. All right, I'm almost done with my uh, dish here. It's a lot of food. It's kind of a mixed bag quality-wise. I don't know. I don't think I may have not chosen the right combination. But it was pretty good, though. I always love the tofu. Um, yeah, so uh, during the show, which follows the plot of the movie... The Jimmy Stewart character is, uh, is getting very frustrated, and his daughter is sick, and she has this flower, and he puts it in his pocket to glue it back together, and then he goes into the alternate reality, and he loses everything because he was never born, and then when he comes back, he's like, oh, oh wow, in my pocket, Zuzu's paddles are in my pocket. His daughter's name is uh, Zuzu. <coughs> I wonder that. I guess that didn't really inspire a lot of people to name their daughters Zuzu. That's that's a good name though, Zuzu. But could that have been a 
perhaps a nickname for Susan Zuzu. Who was that other actress, Zazu Pitts? I don't know what her story was, but ooh, they're kind of closing this place up now. Uh-oh. Wow, there's like almost no one left. It was packed when I came in a few minutes ago. That's weird. Yeah, they're trying to like clear this place out. Very noisy. But uh, I mentioned to my brother afterwards, I'm like, yeah, Zuzu's Pedal, wasn't that a band? He's like, yeah, I thought the same thing. <coughs> so, yeah, I guess uh, Zuzu's Pedals was an all-female uh, indie rock band in the 1990s from Minneapolis. I'm going to have to check them out, <coughs> listen to them a bit. But, yeah, that was uh, some wild stuff. Uh, oh, yeah, there was an, in- an incident the other day. Uh, you know, I live in Nutley, New Jersey. There's not a lot of wilderness around, but we saw these three wild turkeys walking down our driveway into our yard. Wild turkeys, big, big creatures, very big. And there are there are wild turkeys around uh, in uh, in New Jersey. There are wild turkeys. Um, so there were three of them, and they were eating junk off the ground. And then they, there. I don't know if they can. I guess they can fly, but they jumped up onto the fence using their huge wings. They're very large creatures. Then they went on the roof of my garage. It was wild watching the wild turkeys. And uh, a few people had seen them years earlier. I think I saw one in another whole other area. So it's very rare to see them. But, yeah, they're wild animals. They're turkeys just living their life in the wild. And everyone looks at them as meat for Thanksgiving. It's very, very wrong. What's wrong with these people? Please. Oh, I wanted to... Uh, <clears throat> yeah, I wanted to look at the Tweaky costume. I have the link here. I wonder if the uh, if it was already sold by Tweaky. Um, yeah, they're, they're moving all the tables all around. Now I'm just the only table left in the middle of an empty floor. <laughs> it's very uh, uh, aggravating. Buck Rogers in the 25th century. I was right about that. Felix... Silva's Tweaky costume with DVD. <clears throat> it looks like it's already mounted on something. The or- an original Tweaky robot costume worn by Felix Sil- uh, Silva in the television series Buck Rogers in the 25th Century, Universal Television, 1979 to 1981. This costume is composed of silver tone fiberglass and plastic and it includes a torso section, legs and boots, a helmet, and vinyl and foam skirt. The helmet portion features electrical wiring that would control the illuminating elements just under the lip of the helmet's dome. Yeah, the penis head. The costume features pincher-style hands with foam padding on the inner edge. The foam latex rubber joints present at the shoulders of the costume exhibit significant wear. The painted vinyl skirt also exhibits wear and cracking due to age. Wiring present at the base of the figure connects to a standard wall adapter and illuminates the underside of Tweaky's helmet. Tweaky the robot served as the sidekick to Buck Rogers, Gil Gerard, throughout the series, providing comic relief and his famous BDBDBD electronic noises. Mel Blanc provided the voice of Tweaky for over half of the series. What about the other half? Who did the voice then? Buck Rogers in the 25th century was the second television series of Philip Francis Nolan's character after the, the ABC series that ran from 1950 to 1951. Yeah, I guess I missed that one. The character was revamped after the success of Star Wars in 77, and Universal was looking for their own entry point into the science fiction craze. Right? That's what I was saying. 
After viewing footage of the two-part pilot episode of the new series, with its sweeping landscape matte paintings, Universal decided what they saw was good enough and released the two-part pilot in theaters as a feature film on March 30, 1979. The series premiered on September 20, 1979, with the two-part pilot episode slightly altered for television from the theatrical version. Yeah, they took that sex part out of the beginning. The tweaky costume is mounted on a removable fiberglass mannequin. Oh, see, they do have a mannequin. <clears throat> Attached to a black metal base. Includes a DVD of the first season. Jeez, you don't think... This thing is... How many seasons... They, 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 they couldn't put the whole series in, only the first season? These cheap skates. <clears throat> Let's see. <clears throat> and this is being sold two days from now on Thursday. So you can buy Tweaky. The current bid is uh, $17,000. $500. There's been three bids. The starting bid was 5000 and the reserve has not been met, so that's not enough. The estimate is between twenty dollars and $30,000. I mean, yeah, I mean, if I had that kind of money, I would buy Tweaky in a, in, in, a, in a second. I'd be like, yeah, fuck it. I'm going to buy Tweaky. Beedy, beedy, beedy. <coughs> but as it is, there's no way I could buy it. I don't have that kind of money. You know what I'm saying? And then I'm sure if I even if I bought it and I put it in like a room, I'd be like after a while, okay, there's freaking Tweaky. Okay, get enough with this Tweaky crap. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Anyway, in other news, uh, I've been telling you the story. My father passed away earlier this year, and I went through and went through the entire house and cleaned it all out. And um, I took. I mean, I I didn't clean it all out. I went through everything and took away the things that I thought shouldn't be part of the sample sale or that I wanted to keep. And the sample sale, as I told you, was the, not this past weekend, but the weekend before. And uh, now the house has been listed. It's listed for sale, and uh, there's pictures of it completely empty. I have not seen it empty yet. I was going to go after the show on... Twenty minutes. That's good for me. I I, I, I can do twenty. Yeah, I, may, I may have to move to that area over there. Um, I have twenty minutes, so anyway, what was I saying? Yes. So the house has been listed on the real estate sites, and uh, I I didn't. I was going to go see the house empty, but it was already dark and it was really late, and I felt like getting home. It's a long ride home, and that ride home was insane with the rain. I knew it was going to be this insane rain, and uh, it was just really, absolutely pouring rain down Route 80. And you know when you drive um, down the highway in New Jersey, as I've noticed so much, when uh, <coughs> people are, every time you drive, people are driving like maniacs, or like, it's a three-lane highway, and they're just they're just like zipping in between the lanes between all the other cars. Super hazardous. What is wrong with these people? So it's, it's raining so hard, you literally can almost not see anything. I'm really relying on the little reflectors in the road, uh, just so I can, uh, you know, see where I'm going. I'm like, all right, finally, a situation where these m- madmen are not, these maniacs are not going to drive like idiots, zipping in and out. And of course, several times I saw someone do that. Zipping in and out, going in between the lanes, and it's freaking raining so hard. You can, you again, you can't see, but that's the way it works. So anyway, let me finish up. Maybe I'll go to that other section or go sit outside or something. Yeah, this place is closing up in here. 
the attendant over overseers are hovering. They're hovering over all of us. They want us to leave. <laughs> all right, I'm going in a moment. Ah, yes, I moved to the other section. It's like little wooden chairs, and you can oversee the food hall. Beautiful. Without people hovering over me. Anyway, um, yeah, there was a, and you know, I have I have a note file for uh, ideas for uh, show titles. And uh, when I was talking about the monolith in 2001 and smartphones and stuff, I realized that um, it, one of the ideas I came up with uh, relates to that. So there's. Um, some sort of humorous concept. Uh, I'm not really sure where it originated. Where like a uh, a snake is called a danger noodle. Uh, a porcupine is called a stab rabbit. Uh, a raccoon is a trash panda. Uh, a penguin is a formal chicken. A zebra is tiger pony. Manta ray is a sea flap flap, and uh, a, a alligator is a murder log. You know. All these, so it's that, I'm not sure where that started, but I thought, kind of in that vein, a smartphone could be called an important rectangle. So that's why this episode is called Important Rectangle. And, because uh, it is, you know, like, and, and I do think that there's a lot of theories about 2001 A Space Odyssey, especially where the uh, monolith represents, like, the movie screen or the television screen, but it also very much looks like the size and shape of a, of a smartphone. And who knows what Kubrick had access to. I mean, if he uh, was involved in faking the moon landings and everything, maybe it was like a prediction of smartphones or something. Anyway, uh, so important rectangle. Your phone is an important rectangle. And um, when I thought what to use for the the show art, I remembered my monolith-looking art. That shape that you see, it almost looks like it could be some sort of big slab or monolith or something. That shape, which I've used in the past several times, is a very special shape. It's not a shape that I made up. It's a shape that I discovered. It is a shape uh, <clears throat> that uh, anyone could derive using uh, what I'm going to describe, and yet it looks like something amazing, right? So this uh, basically <clears throat> was from my um, my work with uh, heptagons, a seven-sided, you know, regular polygons. <clears throat> Think an octagon like a stop sign, but then take one of the sides away, you know. <coughs> so, my goal, and I did this a long time ago, was to uh, create a spiral using um, heptagrams. Heptagon, sorry. What is a heptagram? It's a seven-sided star? Anyway, so the, uh, the rule is you want to make a spiral as tight as possible, right? But as long as it doesn't touch itself. The, the spiral cannot touch itself. <clears throat> so do that, and you will find a few in a few places towards the beginning of the process. You will find that when you try uh, one position, it will seamlessly connect to a previous part of the spiral. So you have that violates the rule. So you have to take the next one. And if you keep doing that, there's a handful of times it happens, and then it stops happening as you go out. And I I don't know how far out I went, but it stopped happening completely. Where it would <clears throat> one 
the tightest option would s- seamlessly one edge would one side would be against another side. So this uh, set of and there's one show I did right before the pandemic, um, <clears throat> Fold Your Hire, I think it's called, <clears throat> which is a spoonerism of Russia's Hold Your Fire. Fold Your Hire. Like, fold your higher dimensions or whatever. So anyway, um, you can see it there, kind of the structure of it. So anyway, what you do is you take those, only those heptagrams that would have seamlessly lined up, and then essentially almost like you're snapping a rubber band around all of them, um, that's the shape you see here. So this shape is, is is part of the universe. Anywhere that has the same geometry as we have, this shape could be derived. So <coughs> I thought it would be perfect. My It's sort of my own personal monolith because I discovered it. I think I'm the only one that discovered it. Should I write a paper in the mathematical field on this uh, discovery? I should, but I have other things to do. Like I need, I really need to catch up on some TV shows and stuff, so I don't know if I have time to write a mathematical paper. Anyway, as far as the typography goes, um, I've been spending a lot of time on that Daylight Font site, and there's this ultra-obscure font called Pan, P-A-N, and um, <clears throat> so I typeset it, the overnightscape, and then important rectangle using Pan. And I did a little curve, I did a little gradient background from a, like a pastel yellow down to kind of a, I don't even know what you would call that color, a reddish-pinkish pastel shade. I like it, though. I think it came out well. Now, I, as it so happens, I also did um, some work. I've been, I made major progress on the book, right, on the Onsug Radio book over the weekend. And um, <clears throat> I, uh, I added a few things to the cover. So using that font pan, I, took a, I, I did want there to be a 209 on the cover. So in the purple section in the city... I, I put a little 209 using the pan font, and um, it's uh, it's very subtle. It's towards the lower lower right corner, you, so you may see it on the book. I wanted that, and then I added two radio towers on the left and right of that image because it just sort of felt that that area was a little empty, and I wanted to sort of reinforce the um, <clears throat> radio angle of everything. So anyway, that's that. All right. Oh, but anyway, I was talking about the house being listed. So, uh, yeah, it was. It, we, this is a realtor that's a friend of our, of, our, of my sister-in-law's, and she put it up, and uh, it has gotten so much interest. It's, it's got like thirty-five hundred views over the course of three days. It's only been up for like three or four days now. Thirty-five hundred views and um, so much interest. There's people going to see it constantly. So I'm sure it's going to sell soon. I just have to get down there and see it empty. You know? <coughs> All right, I'm getting out of here now. Yeah, I don't know about that lunch. Probably wasn't the right selection. Bits, bits of it were good, but it wasn't a good combination. So. Anyways, uh, in celebrity death news, Ryan O'Neill has passed away at age 82. And um, as before, I saw that movie by Kubrick talking about Kubrick again, Barry Lyndon. I didn't really think much of uh, Ryan O'Neill. I'd seen him in a few things, but. He's kind of an, an annoying person, right? He's kind of a <clears throat> an unpleasant persona. And uh, so go back the same way. He's a, right. He's kind of a, a, an annoying persona. So he was a star of this big movie by uh, Stanley Kubrick. In fact, recently a movie was released of the Napoleon, which was, I believe, related to. 
Stanley Kubrick's uh, attempt to make a movie about Napoleon. Now, at the time, another film studio made a movie about Napoleon, which sort of derailed <coughs> Kubrick's plans at the time. So he wanted to take use all of the research he'd been doing in that time period, 18th century, I think. And he came up with Barry Lyndon, which is based on a book, uh, The Luck of Barry Lyndon. I think it was about this, uh, this Irish guy who's in his sort of fall and rise and fall again in uh, in the society and uh, I had uh, never seen the movie it's so weird because as I am a Kubrick fan this movie a lot of people have never seen this movie because there's things about it it's the name of it Barry Lyndon it just seems what else do we have Lyndon there's like Lyndon New Jersey it's not spelled the same way though there's uh, Lyndon Baines Johnson, a very annoying president of the United States. Who was president when I was born, by the way? LBJ. Barry. Lyndon. And it looks like a, his, one of those tedious historical dramas that so many people seem to have a thing against. So between the name and, and the impression of it, like a lot of people never saw it. I don't, I don't know. I finally watched it uh, a couple months ago. I was utterly blown away by it. What an incredible movie. And uh, it's just, of course, Kubrick is not going to do anything uh, without there being some deeper purpose to it. And he created a movie in, in what some reviewers call the, um, what's the right phrase, the undeserving protagonist. So it is this grand, sweeping, historic, historical epic. And yet, the main character, the protagonist... Play, uh, you know, played by Ryan O'Neill, is uh, kind of unworthy. He's not. It, it's sort of a character. He feels more like a real person. He's uh, not the worst person, not the best person, and he does a bunch of different things, but completely unlike any other kind of hero. So it's almost like taking this incredible production value all of the the scenery and all of the sets and costumes and everything else and yet it's for the it's, it's contrasted against this undeserving protagonist who is meant to be uh, unlikable and kind of a cipher and not really you, you can't really pin down his motivations or what he does you don't really it's hard to tell if you like him or hate him as a character in the movie and it is, it is, that's, so it's a difficult movie. It's, it is such an, like, who else could do something like that but Kubrick? And when you look at the casting of the movie, which is impeccable, that Ryan O'Neill would be this character if it wasn't for this twist uh, of uh, the un- undeserving protagonist, you would have thought that Ryan O'Neill was a, a, a incredibly uh, miscast. But with this angle, he is the perfect undeserving protagonist. Because he's not like, if you look at him, there's just something annoying about him. He seems like sort of insincere. He seems like kind of a jerk. But he's not that bad. So it's just, it's just an amazing thing. So um, I wish more people would check out Barry Lyndon. It's so worth seeing. It is so amazing. Let me see what year it was made. 1975, Barry Lyndon. I think it's between Clockwork Orange and Shining, if I'm not mistaken, for uh, the Kubrick uh, oeuvre. If I may use that word, oeuvre. 
Is that how you say it? Oeuvre? Oeuvre. Oeuvre. Wah! There's the dog and the rabbit people again. And the waterfall. The glass tunnel. Yeah, so... And I know they mention things like Paper Moon and stuff, but they don't even mention Barry Lyndon in the obituaries, which is really ridiculous. Because no one knows this movie. They should. It's his greatest triumph. Well, it was Kubrick's greatest triumph, and I don't know. I don't know if it was really a very popular movie, but I have to think that people are... This movie is so good, it's going to have to get more and more fans, just like me, pick up, pick up new fans along the way. It wasn't Ryan O'Neill's daughter, Tatum O'Neill, Tatum... Is that a good name, Tatum? Uh, uh. Hmm. <laughs> anyway, and I think she was married to... Who was that angry tennis player guy, John McEnroe? Wasn't she married to him at one point? No? <laughs> I think she, she did some acting, too. Tatum O'Neill. Yeah, kind of cross the street here. I think so. Yeah. Oh, anyway, yeah, and also at the uh, at, at the tavern after the show on Sunday, I met my new second cousin, Jill. Yeah, I have a new second cousin, and you know, I, I have very few cousins. When it comes to first cousins, I have like three first cousins, and not even very many second cousins that I that we ever spent any time with. So, my cousin Vinny and his brothers Brian and Billy. They were like some of the only cousins I knew. And of course, my, my cousin Bob and Paul, my cousin Kate out in uh, Montana. Turns out there is another cousin, another second cousin, Jill. Apparently, her mother had her and put her up for adoption. And uh, a couple years ago, Jill uh, found her. And they have now uh, reconnected and they have a great relationship now. So it's very cool to meet my new, a new cousin. How, how often can you get a brand new cousin? Well, obviously, if it's like, you know, as a, ba- a new baby being born, I'm talking about unexpected, like, already adult cousin coming out, coming out of the uh, woodwork. See what I'm saying? It's very cool. And it was interesting because recently, uh, my neighbors, their, their niece or nephew or daughter of a friend is having a kid, and they're going to name him Ajax. And they were talking, and talking about that name. It was so weird. I said, you know, I had an episode of The Overnightscape called Ajax not too long ago about that, that half-hull on, uh, that I took from my father's house. It's uh, Ajax. I know most people would think of Ajax like Ajax uh, cleansing fluid or whatever. Is it a fluid or a powder? Ajax. But Ajax was like a Greek hero. Right? So I thought that was a cool name. And then uh, Jill said her grandchild is going to be named uh, Denali after the national park. And I said, wow, just like the, uh, the woolly mammoth in Gumby. And everyone looks at me like, what? Even my cousin Vinny, who, who is uh, really up on pop culture like me, just about the same age as me. And like, no, not, not in the early, you know, in the later days of uh, Gumby, you know, those later episodes, there was a, a woolly mammoth named Denali. And the, I showed them a picture, the woolly mammoth with Gumby. I'm like, yeah, Denali, there's Denali. They must have been showing it on some TV station in the late 80s, early 90s that I was watching. I really do need to... I would like to watch more Gumby. I feel like I haven't watched enough Gumby. <laughs> anyway, that's a whole other topic. Gumby. Let me write that down. 
Anyway, in other news, uh, there's a computer game on PC called Balatro, B-A-L-A-T-R-O, which, which means like fool or joker, I think in ancient Rome, a Balatro. It's like a jester kind of guy. Um, so Balatro is a, uh, a card game, and I, I saw an ad for it on Facebook or something, and I... Uh, so I went, it's, only, it's not out yet, it's only available as a demo. So you play this demo, right, Balatro. I think it's PC only at the moment. And it's incredible. And the demo itself has been out since the summer. And the demo is almost like a full game, but it's free. And uh, it's, it's basically... Uh, it's a, it's, think video poker as your starting point. It uses uh, graphics that are sort of uh, simulating a, a, a CRT, right? And that kind of uh, music... So sort of that outrun genre. I don't know what you call that. It, it's there's a there's a genre that's developed that's sort of like a fake 1980s genre, you know. With so it's a little bit outrun or what else do they call that? There's another name for that genre. Anyway, you may know what I'm talking about. And it's played over rounds, and you're basically creating poker hands from the cards in your hand, but they're being enhanced by there's like hundreds of different jokers you can buy. There's also tarot cards you can buy, planet cards spectral cards and you, and you do a run and you have to try to keep stay, keep going keep earning more and more points and there's all these multipliers all these different strategies what an amazing game I'm so happy I found it and word, word on one of the uh, message boards is that it's coming out in February 2024 which is not that long two more months but this game is unbelievable it's so good I highly recommend Balatro. B-A-L-A-T-R-O. Balatro. Check that one out. Anyways, I'm heading back to the workplace, and uh, it's quite a lunch. Thanks for coming along with me. I think I'll cross the street here. Um, Yeah. Uh, Walking from the office to the bus station, I will be burdened immensely I will not be able to record so I figure I'll bring things to a close here for this side thanks so much for patching in to this episode of The Overnightscape I'm your host Frank Edward Nora here in New York City currently at uh, the Avenue of the Americas and Little Brazil Street aka 6th Avenue and 46th Street yeah we are here in Onsug Radio broadcasting from inside the book and right now, go to Onsug Radio for all of your need, Onsug needs. O-N-S-U-G, it's short for Overnight Escape Underground, Onsug.com. There's many other hosts doing shows on this channel besides me. We have a massive archive of over 14,000 hours of con- audio content, which is over a year and seven months of content, over 11,000 individual episodes. And we're a non-commercial project. Not non-profit, it's non-commercial. So we don't, we don't do any money, we don't need any money. We've all kept our day jobs, basically. And uh, we do this stuff because we love it. And it's not super expensive to do. And uh, we really are focused... Oh my God! We are really focused on uh, people listening in both the near and far future and preserving our shows. So all of the shows we've ever done are preserved. 
all free, all preserved, currently on the Internet Archive, but I have local archives as well. That is, I have the files in a form that you can uh, just put, throw them on a hard drive, and they're all there. You know. Um, yeah, so the vision is that the book, as I mentioned, I'm working on the next edition of the book. The, the previous edition from 2021 is available as print-on-demand. You have to buy it from Amazon. They're not going to make a book in their book factory for free. or you can. But I don't make any money on it by design. I priced it as low as possible. I think the price went up due to inflation, but anyway. Um, also, the PDF of the book is always available for free. And that's why. This is a very unique project. There's nothing else like this in terms of, you know, I, I, we have so much. And I would say, you know, it's not quantity over quality. It's, this is quality stuff, as, as you've just been hearing. Uh, <laughs> yes, very high quality. It's uh, many different perspectives. Uh, personalities, concepts and ideas and everything else. And as I alluded to earlier, there, I mean, I think that AI systems can help you navigate this 14,000 plus hours to form your own journey through this amazing audio universe known as OnSug Radio. Your voice can be on this archive. Uh, Overnightscape Central is on hiatus at the moment. But should be back soon. PQ Ribber uh, did the show for 13 years. And Jimbo did the show for one of those years. And uh, now Dave in Kentucky is, uh, is thinking of uh, taking over. And I really hope Dave does it. No pressure, Dave, if you're listening. No pressure. But I would love if you were able to take it over and continue the great show. Overnight against Central. New topic each week. Uh, PQ and Jimbo did 677 episodes over the course of pretty much exactly 13 years. So it's all there for you to listen to. So each show is, 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 has a topic, so you can hear a bunch of different people talking about one topic. And it's every topic you can imagine, everything under, everything under the sun. So check that. Check out the archives, and soon you should be able to, in a few weeks, hopefully, you will be able to get back. It may, I think it's going to be monthly. But uh, it's going to continue. So your voice can be in the archive that way. Also, I think I'm going to do an exit ramp this weekend. So if you don't get an invite, definitely drop me a line, frank at theovernightscape.com. I'll make a post on Facebook as well to let you know. If you didn't get an invite, to uh, let me know, and I'll send you an invite for the Zoom meeting. Yeah, it's where a bunch of people get together and talk about a bunch of stuff. And then we see each other in video, but the audio is what is released. That is the concept. Where are we now? Oh, we're back to the Hippodrome. Wait, they used to have a picture of the Hippodrome behind the... uh... Sorry. I'm trying to slow down. There's people like right next to me on both sides. Wow. They they put something in front of their picture or something. I don't know. They used to have a picture of the old Hippodrome in there, in the lobby. Anyways. Yeah. Yeah. It. This is an audio universe for you to explore for years and years. So it'll always be here for you, and I think you'll always get more and more out of Onsig Radio. It truly is an embarrassment of riches. It's the mother load for this type of thing. Now you are one of the few people that knows about it. Many people have never heard of it. I mean, listen, there's people in this world that never heard of Fish, the band. 
course there are going to be people who never heard of Onsug Radio. Now, come on. We're a lot more obscure than fish, after all. But anyway, you get the idea. Check it out. Now, as we pass by the newly renovated Grace Plaza, I still don't know if it's... Oh, wait, let me see. Is this my first time in uh, Grace Plaza since it's been completely revamped? I think so. I used to have a lot of fun sitting in Grace Plaza after work. But now it's time to uh, enter a Grace Plaza of the mind. A wonderful concoction with all sorts of contraptions of the cosmic soul known as the other side.
It was pretty funny in there. Like, he's he's like, well, what price range are you looking for? And I'm like, hey, look, a fish, a fish, a fish. He's like, and the price range is is you know, like he he wasn't he was like just yeah, getting. He was, I think he was, he was just, kind of like really like looking down on. <coughs> Yeah. Like, oh, for not... I have, an, I have an attitude. I'm earning $3 <laughs> an hour, but I work in tent store. So <laughs> and, and, and I remember what I said to him. I said, oh, did you know, like, color selections? Not in that price Not in that price range, you peon! <laughs> Spend some money, you poor fool. <laughs> you must be rich to come in here. How dare you? Heading to the range, right, sir? Um, let's say between, uh... <laughs> I don't think so, Terry. Um, 35 and 20? Yeah, this is a nice cross. Oh, this is a capital of all. This is a twist. 35. That's my 35? Yeah. Cross. Hmm. Damage cross. Are there any other colors? Uh, not my price range. Other worlds lie outside our seeing, beyond the beyond, at the edge of within. The Great Pyramid, erected by the Ancient Ones as a barricade at the portal between two dimensions, two separate realities. This is the story of one family drawn through a mysterious vortex into the other world, and of their perilous trek homeward.
Should I load up my double barrel? Like this! Hi, this is Anton from Chilling FM 98.1. Just popped in to let you know, due to the massive response of our dedication and request lines, we have decided to launch our new Girl and Boy Ravers line exclusive to you, Chilling FM listeners. We also have our very own Chilling FM rave information line, where all the most happening raves are in London and the surrounding counties. Girls, all you have to do is call your very own Girl Ravers line on 0839-81265 now. That's 0839 812265 for the Girl Ravers line. Call now. And boys, you too have your own Boy Ravers line, courtesy of Chilling FM. Simply call 0839-812266. That's boys, call 0839-812266 now. An extra line has been added, courtesy of Chilling FM. It's called the Rave Information Line, where all the most happening raves are in London and the surrounding counties. All you have to do is, listeners, call 0839-812270. 0839-812270. Call now, and this hotline number, courtesy of Chilling FM, will be updated every week. Coming soon, the most spectacular legal Chilling FM rave being put together very soon. Keep listening to this station on 98.1 MHz. Have yourselves a good time courtesy of Chilling FM and your very own boy and girl ravers line. Anton saying see ya very soon, alright? Santa Fe and Disneyland fuel liner, the fastest miniature train in the world, and one of the newest additions to the Magic Kingdom. The streamlined fuel liner will take you on a round-trip tour of both Fantasyland and Tomorrowland, over the trestles and bridges of the Whitewater Rapids and Tomorrowland Lake. The fuel liner, the only train of its kind in the world, Speeds past Lookout Mountain, 
Junior Autopia, over Fantasyland River, and circles through Tomorrowland on its return journey to this depot. Trains leave every few minutes. If you are using a coupon book, just tear out your B coupon and present it to the conductor on the station platform. Individual ride tickets may be obtained at the central ticket booth located just beyond the Astrojet. From Prado Max, it's the Jungle Todd Bulletproof Pencil. With the retractable flinch-resistant Diazo insert. Just when the whole world seems to be pointing its big finger at you, point back with a big one of your own. You never know when you might be in a situation like this. But if you had had a Jungle Todd, who knows? Developed in the jungle by Todd, this amazing new utensil takes what you have coming for it and never draws the line. Doctors and pharmacists even subjected it to the flex density test in the tunnel of scrutiny. We drew some definite conclusions about the Jungle Todd. Emulst one. It made me do wheelies. It even writes backwards. No state could be that tough. People all over a continent are setting their coordinates for the new Jungle Todd models. So protect that little place near your pocket, or just your expensive lead, with the new Jungle Todd bulletproof pencil. Mm.
Rubber alloy gripper zone extra. Hi, I'm Rich Hall. You know, several months ago on this show, we introduced a new concept into the English language, sniglet. Now, a sniglet is any word that should be in the dictionary, but isn't. For instance, the word scratches. To those uh, giant windshield wiper-looking things, you always find at checkout counters. Now, you don't have to go beyond your local supermarket to find a good half-dozen sniglets. Spiros are the star-shaped marks on the ends of hot dogs. Now, squimmage are those disgusting threads that you always find hanging from bananas whenever you try to peel them. This is a Motspur, pesky fourth wheel on that shopping cart. Never seems to get along with the other three. The act of taking food from one section of the store and replacing it in another section is known as perpetation. And it's a seasoned perpetrator who can camouflage these foods effectively. These misplaced foods are known as food plot. And they have a pretty mysterious way of showing up on your grocery bill. By all means, keep those sniglets coming, folks. We can use them. Mail in the sniglets, P.O. Box 27901, Hollywood, California. 90027. One of these swank t-shirts if we happen to like it and use it on the air. Thanks a lot. And by all means, watch out for Strumble. Those unseen objects that always pretend made you trip when it was actually your own stupid dungeon.
Obliviana Storm Tomb, the magical audio drug. No, not good lighting? There's no light. <laughs> I think it's good for the, for the effect because you see like this guy like... There you go, George. Hi, this is Frank Edward Nora, and I'd like to welcome you to Beta Storm Tune number one. Now, uh, Storm Tune is a, 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 meant to be an interesting and weird uh, audio experience. Each one is 15 uh, minutes long. And there's also this supernatural side with uh, 209 and Storm Joining and everything else. But don't worry if you don't understand it uh, completely, because you certainly won't just listening to this once. The idea is that you're going to listen to a bunch of Storm Tunes and sort of get to know it from that. And always, you can go to Obliviana.com and uh, get more information there. So now, we're going to start off with the setting of the storm for this Beta Storm Tune number one. Alright, we're ready to set the storm here. And I have my Storm Codex, which is a special deck of cards that you will probably learn about later. Uh, we're going to set the storm right now, finding out what it's going to be. And here we are. Okay, so we have... Night Flip 5 and Day Deer 8. And that means that the storm that we're going to be setting is 27. So just think Night Flip 5, that's out of 11. And Day Deer 8, that's out of 19. And our storm is 27. So there you go. The storm is set. It's 27. And someone's calling me right now, so. Let me answer the phone. <laughs> Hello? Hey. Hi. The evil phone. Did you hear about what's going on on the farm? This is like, they like, they heard screams and shit. They're like killing people. Is there this big snake guy rises out of the ground and like chops You bullshit me? No. No. Serious? You think we're bullshitting you? Well, all right, listen, I think you have nothing better else to do than take pictures of me. Alright, here, you talk about the evil farm. Hey, I don't know what to say about it. Make something up. I'm making it. Oh, I got a cousin no, that went up to the evil, evil farm. And, and he said that he went up there yeah, and there was this finish. ghost cow. And it came over and started fucking him up the ass. Oh, I wouldn't no. let him leave. Oh, so man. he finally left. Oh. Hey, baby, wanna make some movies? I know those old guys in the streets, man. They're talking about how there's like some kind of like they found an arm back behind this fucking factory, and that they said that they saw a gleam from like a sword coming off the top of the castle one oh, night. Man. There's all these, there's all. These... <laughs> Yo, bro. <laughs> Did you come down with that fucking laughing? Man? I don't know. Man, this doesn't look. Whoa! Whoa! This is what we should do. We should, we should go up to that place. Well, we heard that scream tonight. That would be sick. <coughs> Say hi. Hey, what the fuck is up? We're at the evil farm. We're scared shit. Jim just died. Jim's dead. Jim's dead. Holy shit. No. <laughs> 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 it's Aria Martinsville. We're talking yeah, about the evil farm and other farms. See, these people here are... So, shall we say joints. victims of the evil farm? And, and joints, as we used to say, joints. The fuck are wrong with People are gonna die! They're gonna die! You're all gonna fucking die! Oh, hey, this is Frank Edward Nora, Lord of Obliviana, and uh, this is, of course, 
Beta Storm Tune number one. And you just heard the Evil Farm two minute version. And uh, we're in the Dashic Deeds section of uh, the program. And if you don't know what that means, don't worry, you'll find out eventually. Now, coming up next is another bluff tune, a great one called The Bluff Cosm Five Minute Vacation from Sanity number five. I really think you're going to enjoy it. Here it is. You're into vacation from sanity, I think two of them already. Oh my god. I'm just popping the, the up. The Bluff Cosm five minute vacation. Did I, did I sign a release for that part? Yeah. <laughs> I don't really now, would, you, would you like to be in the Bluff Cosm five minute vacation from sanity? What hell kind of a question five is minutes. that? Five minutes. All right. That will, be, that will be in number five. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, can you tell me what you think of Phil Smith? He's my idol. I really admire the way he can quote verbatim from Heart of Darkness. What a guy. Mm. Would you cut that out? Right. In its latest edition of Anything But Monday, it was completely incomprehensible. I did not know what in the world he was talking about. His friends story about France was more comprehensible. Yeah, I don't know. Super Tramp. Okay, let's go. We need a security guy. Stop. Hold. Stop the film. Stop the film. Stop the film. <laughs> Look, we'll use the chicken machine. Chicken machine. Chicken machine. We'll use these double. You, you filmed me there, and you should film me going through that door. Right? I did. I'm talking now. You should have the audio on. It's all right. Now, we're here. No, not good lighting? There's no light. <laughs> I think it's good for the, for the effect because you see, like, this guy, like. There you go, George. There we go. Yeah. For a good time tonight. Yeah. Yeah. Alright, uh, take one and action. So many times getting hit in the face with a stick. Take two. Where's the face? Did you get it? He flinched. <laughs> Take three. I'm crashed on it. That's good. Take four. I had enough of this. <laughs> I, the snow fell back. I want a little bit of snow to fall forward. <laughs> 
Very good. Good shot. It is thank you, cat, maintenant. They do this to me all the time because I know. Anyone, is anyone else hungry? Is that cat? They do this to me. They'll order for me in French. They do that to me. I thought you were dead. Uh, Reincarnated. Uh, okay. I'm right there. Got it? Good, wait. You got to back up a little bit. I don't believe you get a rod up your ass right now. You're just like standing around like, you know, it's, I'm the, I, I work in the, uh, you know, you'll have like a, you have like a, a, a flash, you'd be like swinging. Yeah. yeah like, just, okay, do that, do that. Get like a flask. Okay. A flask, yeah. Don't make it, make it scotch. Alright. You wanna uh, get this going? We have to get right. going, we have to get this moving here. Alright. Um, no crashing in this scene. What is this? What is this? Come on. Alright. Ready? Get and, him, get uh, him swinging. Go like, go like, you should be like swinging so we can see it on the camera. Alright, whenever you're ready. Okay. Alright, ready to start with that. Scott and Scott Spencer. Got it? Yeah, okay. I'm having incredibly impure thoughts. Yeah. This discontinued Cheyenne and Orangina is worthless without it. Those damn people at Pepperidge Farm. <laughs> Thank you. Bye. Hey, Cindy! Dear Courtney, I wish you could be living down, down in New Jersey. I hope you can come down to Cindy's house next summer. And I really miss you a lot, lots, and lots. Um... My birthday is October the 12th, Columbus Day, and my dog and me and Cindy and my whole family miss you a real lot. We wish you hasn't, haven't moved. Love, Carrie. Here's Cindy. Dear Courtney, I still have Grover's smoky pebbles and sand, but your Sam died of two dogs biting him. But we have another Sam. He's all gray with a little white dot on his nose. He's a miniature rabbit, but has longer ears than Sam did. He's very nice, but not as nice as the Sam we used to have. Carol would like to speak to you again. Love, Cindy. Courtney, I just, um, when we were on our summer vacation at the beach, there was this big little, uh, a big dog, right? And he liked to fish a lot um, with his mouth. And his, we called him Lady because the people that um, owned him, they left him at the beach. And my mom found him a long time, for a long time. And he was at the beach fishing by himself uh, for about eight weeks. And um, we wanted to keep him, but Inky would be so upset with another dog in the house. We would have brought it home if Inky wasn't home. And I wish you could come back here. Love, Cat. Courtney. I think, I wonder how old you are. Are you seven, are you eight, or are you nine? It seems like you've been gone for 30 years, but I know you've been only gone for a couple of months. I can't live without you, Courtney. Please ask your mother if you can come over next summer. Love, Cindy, and, and Kara. All right, you just heard the Bluff Cosm five-minute vacation from sanity, number five, followed by Dear Courtney, two-minute version. And uh, coming up next is uh, something called What is Storm Jaunting? And uh, this is going to give you a little bit of a, a description of what Storm Jaunting is all about. And uh, it goes pretty quick, and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, you're probably not going to get it all this time, but you, you'll get it eventually. Uh, <laughs> what am I saying? You're gonna, it's the kind of thing that you're going to you're gonna have to uh, 
like, absorb. Let's put it that way. Alright, here it is. What is Storm Joining? Storm Joining is essentially a magical mini-trip. The idea is to break away from Corridor for a period of time. Corridor is your personal tunnel or rut that guides you in your daily routine, but that also limits your freedom. There, there is a part of you called your Think Fang, and it has the power to release you from the grips of Corridor, and temporarily open up a world of wonderful freedom. The, the exact nature of the Think Fang is unknown. It seems that it's usually dormant and inactive, but in Obliviana there's a way to stimulate it. Another element of storm jaunting is the Dashic Deeds. These are activities designed specifically to counteract the force of Corridor. In general, uh, they are activities which one would never normally do, but not in a dangerous, sick, or demented way. Uh, Dashic Deeds would be somewhat meaningless without the stimulated Think Fang, and the Think Fang would be far less effective without Dashic Deeds. The two go hand in hand. The way to stimulate the Think Fang is through the number 209. The Forge of Wander is a grid 11 wide and 19 high. On the grid are the numbers 1 through 209. Each individual number is called a Think Fang Storm, or just a storm for short. The 11 columns are night flips, and the 19 rows are day deers. Uh, to do the stimulation of the Think Fang, you will set a storm. Uh, to do this, you're going to choose one of the 209 uh, storms. And uh, once you've set it, uh, then you can start on your storm jaunt. During the storm jaunt, you'll do a series of dash deeds. Uh, if all goes well, you'll have yourself a nice little adventure. Or a big strange adventure. You know, who knows? Alright, that brings us to the end of Beta Storm Tune number one. And I'm going to be doing this beta series until I, I get it right. Uh, and uh, then we're going to be going to the real storm tunes. Um, and I just want to say that to end your storm, just think Storm Zero, and more information on that later. And uh, I just want to say this was produced on November 18th, 2001, and it's all copyright 2001, Obliviana. Super occult amusement. Bye-bye. How do you feel about existence? It lives. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I really don't know. <laughs> You don't know? Oh, no, I'm telling you, man. We are intelligent yeah, people. <laughs> we have a, a manager interview. Wait, wait. You, but you do exist. Sure. Stand right here, Jeff. You exist. Yeah. I should hope so. So we live. Yeah. Exist, you know, not extinct. Yeah, but a rock lives, but it's not alive. It exists. <laughs>